Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the Renaissance English History Podcast, a member of the Agora Podcast Network. This is episode 77, and we are talking about Tudor crime and punishment. Just a couple of quick housekeeping things before we get started. First, thanks to popular demand, I'm adding in the transcripts to all of my episodes on the website at englandcast.com, so feel free to go there to check that out if you want to look things up that are specific questions. Also, you can sign up for the mailing list, which gets you lots of extra free goodies like tutor coloring pages, news about book giveaways, exclusive mini casts, and lots of other fun stuff. So go to englandcast.com to sign up for that. Also, a huge thanks to my newest Patreon supporter, Kathy, for your awesome, generous patronage. Thank you so much. You can become a patron and support the show for as little as a dollar an episode. So get more information on all of that at englandcast.com. Also, a credit to Paige for the research for this episode. Thanks, Paige. So let's talk about crime and punishment today, specifically crime and punishment in Tudor England. What were some of the crimes for which you could be punished in Tudor England? And what exactly would those punishments be? I often have this idea of Tudor crime as being this really macabre thing where you could randomly just be picked out for something really silly and suddenly your head's cut off. But was it really like that? Were there trials? And how would it be different for a poor person over a wealthy noble person? These are the questions that I want to start to answer in this episode. First off, what was crime in Tudor England? Crime and punishment were taken very seriously. And similarly to today, there were different types of offenses. Some were minor and some were more serious. And there were also different types of courts to handle different things. There were religious courts and there were civil courts. So there was kind of this web that could be quite confusing and many things would be punishable by death. Your rank would also determine the type of punishment that you would suffer. Minor offenses were things like stealing small amounts, small poaching, begging, acts of indecency. And these could mean fines or being sent to a prison to do labor. And one of the things you would do in a labor prison would be to grind corn for the poor on a treadmill. So that's kind of interesting. More petty crime, there would be some laws that would make us laugh today. For example, it was really a true law passed in 1571 that every man over the age of six had to wear a woolen hat on Sundays and holidays, and the noble classes were exempt from that. This was to support the English wool trade. And if you broke this law, you would most likely be given a fine. 
Silly petty crimes, though, were probably the minority. Most of what we would consider petty crimes would be punished in a very painful and public way, and the idea was to create a deterrent. For example, you could be hung for stealing anything that had a value of greater than five pence. Robbery, murder, rape, arson, counterfeiting, and similar crimes would all receive a public punishment. In an age where there was no internet and no way to look someone up on Facebook to learn their history, your reputation in your little village or community was incredibly important. This meant that people who were strangers were viewed suspiciously. So if you were a vagrant or an unknown beggar, you were seen as a potential criminal, and there were laws against begging and vagrancy. Anyone who traveled very far was viewed with suspicion, and actors especially had to have permission to travel. This is partly why you saw the formation of troops like the Kingsmen, so as to lend credibility to the actors, so they would let the town know when they arrived that they were traveling with the permission of a high nobleman and they weren't criminals. A main form of punishment was public penance, and this was especially for morality crimes like adultery or prostitution, similar kinds of things, or for heretics who had recanted and repented. You were always given the chance to recant and repent if you were accused of heresy. So those who went through the ordeal of recanting and repenting would be given public penance. You could also be punished in this way for disturbing the peace by fighting. A person would be made to stand in public wearing just their overshirt with a sign stating what crime they committed. A sermon might be preached against the crime they committed. Another way of publicly humiliating people convicted of a crime would be something called carting, where a person was put on a cart and driven around through the streets of their town while, of course, others would yell and jeer and throw rotten eggs and humiliate the person as much as possible. Another main form of punishment would be the stocks, and generally those punishments would happen on market days in order to attract the highest amount of people to humiliate the person being punished. For those of you who have never seen stocks, it was a piece of wood that would hold your head and your wrists and sometimes your ankles. And again, for fun, people would throw rotten eggs and vegetables, animal waste, you know, cow excrement, because why not, and sometimes even rocks. You could also use a restraining device like the stocks when even more severe punishments were being carried out because they would keep the person from being able to move. And so you might be held in the stocks or the pillory to be whipped or to be branded. Branding was a popular form of punishment for theft, in part as humiliation, but also, again, that idea of your reputation. So if you were to go and start a new life somewhere else in another village, you would have that brand on you forever. So everybody would know it was kind of like a warning that people should be wary of you then. And so then, of course, people wouldn't like you. You show up in the new town with this brand of a theft on you and people wouldn't wouldn't like you and wouldn't give you a job. So again, it was a pretty big deterrent. And all of this was done very publicly. In addition to the pain of the punishment, people would also suffer the humiliation of people throwing cow crap and yelling at them. One example of a person being punished in the pillories was a servant girl who was accused of poisoning her household. She was pilloried twice and she had both ears cut off and she was branded on the forehead. All of this she survived, so it would have been very tough for her to get another job at another home. If you had committed perjury or published any kind of heretical tracts, you would be sentenced to cropping. First, they would put you in the pillory, and then you would have your ears nailed to the wood as well. 
and they would be nailed up high. So basically, as you stood there and you got tired throughout the day, the weight of your body would start to droop and part of your earlobe would be torn off as well. And sometimes just to save time because they didn't have a way to get the nails out, they would just chop your whole ear off when your sentence was done. So there's that. The ducking stool was another punishment that was usually reserved for women. And while it was mostly administered simply to embarrass and humiliate the woman, it could, of course, end in death. A woman would be strapped to one end of a piece of wood that was kind of like a seesaw. They would have a chair there and she would be dunked into a body of water like a lake for a certain amount of times. Women could and did often drown from this because if they were held in too long, of course, they would drown. Another punishment that was used mostly for women was the brank. A woman who gossiped too much or even who talked too much could be publicly strapped into this metal contraption that wrapped around her head and had spikes in all these different places. So if she moved her head, she could have spikes in her mouth and it would be very, very painful. Um, It would also have a piece of iron that would go into her mouth with spikes or sometimes just to hold down her tongue. And of course, this could gag her. And while it was designed to humiliate, again, women could die from it if their airwaves were closed off. For example, if they fell asleep and they leaned on it in a a different kind of way, you could die from that. Whipping at the cart's tail was when an individual was stripped at the waist and their hands were bound to the tailgate of a cart. And then a horse would be led in front of them, pulling the cart at a walking pace. One or two executioners would be right there with them and they would just whip them randomly every couple of steps. And they would whip the bare back of the person. And of course, the person had to keep up with the cart as well because if the horse kept moving and they weren't able to keep up, then they would just be dragged along the ground. So you had to not only keep up with the horse, but you were being whipped at the same time. Honestly, these things are really ingenious. How they came up with these kinds of punishments, but they weren't able to come up with, I don't know, basic things like hygiene. It's kind of beyond me, but they were very, very creative when it came to punishments. Some people, like the man who published a book critical of the idea of Elizabeth marrying a French duke, he had his hand cut off. So you could have your hand cut off for things like if you publish the wrong kinds of books, if you publish like minor heretical kinds of things, you get your right hand cut off. There was a phrase called being in the cart, and that was used when someone was in trouble with the law because of the fact that carts were used in so many of these different punishments. Either you were being carried to the place in a cart, or you were being put on display in a cart, or you were walking behind a cart. So they came up with the phrase being in the cart. So moving on to more serious crimes, capital punishment was handed out when the crime hurt somebody, which was how it was justified to use on those who stole as well, because you could, of course, like I said, be hung for stealing anything over five pence. One thing to note is that while most of us today take it for granted that we could have a right to a lawyer to represent us if we were accused of something, in Renaissance England, this wasn't the case. So it's very likely that you could end up dead just for being accused of a crime if you didn't have the funds or help to get you a lawyer. Some historians have estimated that between 57,000 and 72,000 people were executed during the reign of Henry VIII alone, but others say that number is likely to have been greatly inflated. Either way, executions were a part of life, and they were a popular spectacle. People would bring their children, and they would just have a fun day out. And ironically, because it was so popular to go to the executions, oftentimes pickpockets would show up because there were large crowds of people and it was really anonymous. So you would have crimes being committed at the punishment for the crime. 
And also, I'm just really not sure about the whole idea of taking my child to see people being beheaded. But it was a fun day out. It was a day off from work. And you would go watch the the local beheading of the day. Beheading was the most common form of execution. The heads themselves would be put up on pikes and displayed in public places, like the entry to London Bridge, as a gruesome warning to not commit a crime. There's also the story in the Wars of the Roses of the Duke of York, whose head was put on the spike in York, and they put a paper crown on his head, and that was this kind of final insult that he wanted to be king, and so he got a paper crown put on his head. So it was not only an insult and a deterrent and, you know, it'd be an insult to your family, everything like that. There was a special type of court called the Star Chamber that was set up to deal with cases of political treason, mostly for nobles. There was no jury. There was no ability to appeal. So if you heard that you were going to be tried in the Star Chamber, that usually meant that it was it for you and you should prepare to meet your maker. An interesting note on treason, there were actually two types of treasons, high treason and petty treason. High treason was when someone threatened the life of the people in power. They would be given the gruesome traitor's death. For those of you who don't know what the death for high treason was, the traitor's death, it would be being dragged to the place of punishment and then you would be hung until you were almost dead, but not quite dead. Then you would be cut down while you were still alive. You would be disemboweled Often your bowels would be burned in front of you. Hopefully by this point you would have passed out, but maybe not. Then your heart would be burned. So by that point you would be dead. And then your head would be cut off and your body would be divided into four pieces for distribution around the city or the country. So often in cases of these kinds of high treason, the different quarters, this was hung, drawn and quartered, basically the different quarters of you would be sent to different places where maybe there was a rebellion going on um, to remind people to stay in check. Petty treason was when someone threatened someone to whom they were supposed to show obedience. So this could be a woman not being obedient to her husband, for example, or a servant not being obedient to his master. And the penalty for this was often burning. Felonies were things like murder, rape, witchcraft, and property crimes. There were also some strange felonies like hunting at nighttime, but this was a felony because it was meant to combat illegal poaching. One way that people would often try to hurt noble women especially was to accuse them of witchcraft. So with noble men, you could have many more accusations of treason or plotting, things like that. A way to bring down a noble woman was to accuse her of witchcraft. This was really popular in the early 15th century. There were a number of very high women, including the dowager queens, who were accused of witchcraft. One instance, Henry V, he accused his stepmother of witchcraft so that he could take her money and wage war in France. Torture methods included the pit. This was a 20 foot deep black hole where you would be put. Also, there was the little ease was a cave that was too small to stand upright in. So you never actually got to stretch. The opposite of that, of course, was being stretched like crazy on the rack. And that was where you would be literally stretched and stretched until your ligaments were torn to shreds. And also examiners could push nails under someone's fingernails. So if they were trying to get evidence from you, those are ways that they could do it. 
Another creative punishment was during the reign of Henry VIII, a cook who was accused of poisoning a group of churchmen, including Thomas More, was boiled alive. This, of course, is the story where it's thought that the Boleyns were trying to kill off some of the people who were against the divorce. And the cook took the fall for it. Of course, it's not proven that it was the Boleyns. Don't everybody email me at once and say, it wasn't Anne Boleyn. It hasn't been proven, but they had the most to gain from it. And it's kind of possible that they were involved. But the cook took the fall for it. He was boiled alive. Offenses punishable by death included buggery, murder, manslaughter, treason, rape, felony sodomy, stealing hawks, witchcraft, and desertion in the field of battle. For these, a public hanging was often the method of punishment. And executioners were often butchers who didn't get it right the first time. Say you have stories about executioners having 20 or 30 strokes to get the head off. It must have been absolutely terrible. That's one of the reasons why when Anne Boleyn was killed, it was seen as this act of great mercy that Henry brought an expert executioner from France over who would be able to cut her head off very easily with not a lot of pain. If you didn't enter a plea during your trial, if you pled neither guilty or not guilty, you would be punished very, very severely. You would be crushed slowly under large stones. The reason you would do something like this is because if you were tried and found guilty, your goods would become the property of the crown. They would be forfeit if you were found guilty. So your family would lose everything. You would lose your your land, your house, everything. So some people actually chose this to ensure the security of their family. One note on prisons, if you were sentenced to a prison like Newgate, your experience would be wildly different depending on whether you were wealthy or poor. If you were wealthy and could pay a lot of money, you could have a private room with good meals and even pets and private visitors. If your money ran out though, it was down to the common room for you, which was filled with disease, fleas, rats, and all manner of discomfort. Meanwhile, you couldn't even scratch your flea bites because you were manacled and chained to the wall. So not a good time there. On that lovely note, I'm wrapping up this episode with a book recommendation, which is True Crime in Tudor and Stuart England, edited by Ken McMillan, and I'll put a link up on the website. Remember to go to the website for the transcript to sign up for the awesome mailing list and other fun stuff at englandcast.com. You can also contact me with any thoughts, ideas, etc. at englandcast.com or through the Facebook page at facebook.com slash englandcast or through Twitter at Tesco, T-E-Y-S-K-O, or the listener support line, which you can text at 801-6-TESCO, 801-6-TESCO. Next episode, we'll talk about Tudor health. So stay tuned for that. Thanks so much for listening, and I will talk with you soon. Bye-bye. Blow, northern wind, blow, blow, blow. Ich hoch aboard in Bauerbrick, that soul is Samley's on sicht. Men school maiden of nicht, fair and freight of wonder. In all this world, fleet of wonder, burd of blood and of bond. Never yet in Houston on, what's a man? 